Hello, Malcolm here, and welcome to this sixth class on the Book of First Thessalonians for the Thames Valley and Watford Churches of Christ. These are teaching classes designed to be used in our local groups, a family group, a location, or whatever, so that we can dig deeper into this wonderful letter. Today we're in chapter 3, looking at verses 6 down to verse 13. What I'd like to do today is kind of talk through those verses, and then make a couple of points and leave you to discuss them further. So let's get into it. In verse 6, Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news. Same word for gospel. The gospel about your faith and love. Two significant components, perhaps the most important things in the Christian life, faith and love. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6 says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Faith and love go together and he sees that they are in a good place with their faith and love. By the way, that might be one of those things that we now and again discuss in our local groups. How is our faith? How is our love? If they're going well, then most of the things will get sorted and we'll be all right. Those in our conversations with one another as fellow Christians, when we meet up for a coffee or whatever, we might want to ask ourselves, how is our faith? Or how is your faith? How's my faith? How's your love? How's my love? How are we doing at growing in those things? He says he's told us, this is Timothy telling Paul, that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us, just as we also long to see you. Do you remember back in chapter 2? He said, I've made every effort to see you. The only thing that got in the way, remember what that is? The only thing that got in the way of him seeing the Thessalonians was Satan himself. That's how much he wanted to see them. He tried everything else, but Satan was the only blocker to that fellowship. And he says, now I'm glad I could send at least Timothy. And he's come back with that good report. And I'm glad to know that you long to see us just as much as I long to see you. There's that mutual uh, desire to see each other, to fellowship together. And there are pleasant memories they have of each other. You know, creating pleasant memories is part of our fellowship. It's part of what we do. Uh, hopefully, as we live out a life of faith and love together in a local family group or location, we're creating those pleasant memories. And it's important to cherish those pleasant memories because sometimes the damages that are done by hurts and sins against one another can dominate and we forget the pleasant memories. Recently I've reconnected with some old friends that I've had some friction with in the past, quite distant past, but I've reconnected with them and it's been delightful to spend time with them and to remember and realize that there are lots of pleasant memories and sometimes the, the relatively few number of difficult times where we perhaps had disagreements or hurt each other or sinned against each other and I'm not, it was both ways a lot of the time, uh, that can obscure the fact that there are pleasant memories. We had, I had lunch with an old friend not so long ago, uh, a long old lunch. I hadn't seen them for 20 years and there had been some problems in our relationship, but we were able to discuss the pleasant memories. Let's remember that as we gather together in our times of worship and, and conversations and, and whatever we're doing as a group, we're here to create pleasant memories. And we work through tough times but there are always going to be those pleasant memories. And I do hope that you can look each other in the eye in your local group and say, you know what, despite our differences and whatever else, we have pleasant memories. And whenever, if ever we're in different places and I, I have to travel and I'm gone or, or perhaps I have to move away or you have to move away, I'm going to cherish those pleasant memories. Uh, a few days ago, I was down in Kent at my uh, father's house with some of the rest of my family, my sister and her family, uh, because we were holding a, a time together, a family time uh, because it was the second anniversary of my mother's death. She died two years ago, 5th of February. We gathered on Sunday afternoon for some um, time together as a family. It was a wonderful, pleasant time, creating more memories in a sense, 
It was a somber occasion, of course, that brought us together. But as we're together, we're remembering the pleasant things as a family and of my mother. And I remembered in particular that every time I used to come into the, uh, the back door of the house, I'd open the back door and she'd be in her, she had a little study, a little cubbyhole study where she sat with her computer. And, and she would see me as I would come through that back door and she'd always turn and a look of delight would come over her face. And she'd smile a smile that only really, really she ever smiles uh, for me. You know, I, I don't think anybody quite smiles at me the way my mother used to smile at me. It was, it was a look of pure delight. And she was like that, not only with me, but with my sister and many other members of our family. But I remember that look of delight. And I think this is kind of what's going on here, is Paul is delighting in the Thessalonians. They are delighting in him. It's a mutual delighting society here. And isn't that how it ought to be in our local groups? That when we come together on a Wednesday night or a Friday night or for a dinner on a Saturday or whatever we're doing, or when we worship together on a Sunday, we come in together, we see each other, and it's, oh, what a delight to see you. What a delight to be together. And this is a model I think that Paul is, is, uh, has here with the Thessalonians. It's a model for us, but of course it's modeled on Jesus. Jesus has that sense of delight for us. God has that sense of delight for us. We long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in verse 7, in all our distress and persecution, he's going through a tough time down in Athens and particularly in Corinth. We were encouraged about you because of your faith. Faith again. Faith is mentioned many times in these passages. For now, we really live. Like, we had an existence, but now, now he's alive. Since you are standing firm in the faith, standing firm despite all these troubles uh, that they have and that uh, he has. A pressing, choking worry is what this refers to. How can we thank God enough for you? So he's praying again here. In return for all the joy we have. Not just I like you, you're kind of okay, but I have joy over you. We have in the presence of our God because of you. So we know that he prays for the Thessalonians and he's referring there to the fact that he's often got them in mind as he's going to pray, be with God in God's presence, holding them there before God, praying for them, asking God to bless them and strengthen them. Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again, see, see again, see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Night and day. Do you remember earlier in the book, he said that we worked night and day while we were with you so as not to be a burden on you. He's not with them anymore, so that's not the issue. But now he's still doing something night and day for them. Night and day he was working in Thessalonica. Now, night and day he's praying. That's a testimony to the devotion that the Apostle Paul has for those Thessalonians. He cares about them desperately. And it's whether it's night or day, he's got them in his heart, got them in his on his mind, and he is praying for them. So that we may see you again and supply, see and supply. It's hard to supply people with what they need if we don't see them, right? If we want our location, our, our family group to grow in faith, to grow in love, we've got to see each other so that we can supply that to each other. Sometimes your faith will be stronger than mine, you can supply me with more faith. Sometimes your love will be more than mine and you can supply more love to me to help me have a greater supply of love and perhaps sometimes it's the other way around and collectively as a group, that's how we help each other to grow in our faith and to grow in our love because we see each other so that we can supply. This is why we fellowship together. It's not because we, we have to or because we ought to. 
It's because faith and love are the two key components in the Christian life. And unless we see each other, we can't supply each other with what is lacking in our faith. Now, he says in verse 11, now this is the second part of this passage, the section we're looking at today. And this is where Paul goes into a kind of prayer, maybe a model prayer. Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. I want to see you, don't I? He wants to see them. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow. So love again, increasing. Of course, if it does increase, it will overflow. May it overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen. We've got two may he's here. May the Lord and then may he strengthen. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy. This is about their purity. In the presence of our God and Father, when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. He's talking here about the second coming, which he's going to address in more detail in chapter 4. We'll come to that another time. You see this model prayer here. One of the things I like about the way that Paul writes is he inserts prayers into his letters. And you might want to do a study, have a quick read through some of Paul's letters, Galatians, Ephesians, and so on, and look for the prayers that are there. And what do they tell you about Paul's relationship with God and his priorities of prayer? And how does that match or not with your own prayer priorities? might be interesting to look at that. We grow up with traditions and assumptions about prayer. We don't often examine our prayers deeply. And I wonder whether examining, examining your prayer life in the light of the prayer life of Paul and his priorities might help you develop your prayer life and even as a group, what you pray about. We can use these as models, by the way. Last night I was praying with a friend of mine over the phone and I didn't use that one, but I used chapter 5, verse 23 and 24 as a model for the prayer that I prayed while I was with him. Now I prayed uh, uh, about more than just this section here, but... Uh, that's where it says, may God himself, the God of peace, we prayed about peace, sanctify you. We prayed about being, about being holy through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless. And we talked about, I prayed about that for him and myself, that the whole of who we are will be holy. At the coming of the Lord Jesus, the one who calls you his faith, we thank God for his faithfulness. He will do it. Uh, that is what he will do. Uh, confidence in God. That framed or provided the scaffolding for the prayer that I had with that friend uh, last night, maybe you'd like to try that. Take a prayer like that or one here and uh, pray through this with somebody else for them and for yourself or perhaps as a group. Uh, these uh, things aren't written perhaps primarily as models, but I think someone like Paul might have had in the back of his mind how Jesus gave a model prayer. And therefore, as he writes these, they are in some sense a bit of a model the people he's writing to. So what do you think about using these as a, a model right here? So those are the main things I wanted to flag up from uh, this passage. And here's, here's my concluding thought and a couple of questions we could uh, consider. This is another part of the book, uh, the, the letter to the Thessalonians dealing with relationship issues under the sovereignty of, of God under Christ. And as you've read through First Thessalonians, you'll notice how much Paul loves the Thessalonians, has great memories of them, and it turns out they have great memories of him. It's a relational thing, much more than a doctrinal thing. He's writing the letter to answer some questions we'll come to in chapter 4. He has some concerns for them he'll express. But it's the relationship that seems to matter the very most. The word you, in the plural, is used 17 times in this short passage we've just looked at. 17 times he says you. Uh, we and us are mentioned 10 times in this short passage. 
and the word our is there three times. It's about you, it's about we, it's about us, it's about our, it's about us together. We're in different cities now, but we are one in Christ. And this is the key focus of the letter up to this point and this particular passage. There's personal connection. What matters is, is their love for each other and for him and him for them and their faith. And faith and love working together are so powerful. If we want to make a difference in this world, our faith must be strong and our love must be strong and growing and overflowing. And this is what is concerned, Paul is most concerned about. The doctrinal issues he'll get to, they aren't unimportant. But the key thing is the relationships. The key thing is love and the fact that that love helps faith to grow. And that's what our local groups are really about. A family group and a location, whatever kind of group you have, what, they, what are they really about? They're really about helping each other grow in faith, helping each other grow in love, and in that way expressing that to the rest of the world. So the love, when they, when the world, when they come in, they'll say, there's love here I've never seen before, and there's faith I've never seen before. Not because we're wonderful or something, but because we're helping each other. Now, on our own, we can't do this. But collectively, collectively we can as we delight in one another. So that's my final thought here is, how is the delight factor in your local group? Are you delighted to see each other? Are you, do you have that same sense that Paul has that he can't wait to see the Thessalonians, that his heart is gladdened by the fact they have pleasant memories of him? He wants to do anything he can to see them. They want to do anything they can to see him. The only thing getting in the way might be Satan. But other than that, there's nothing to stop them. How is the delight factor? What's the delight level in your local group? And how could it be increased? How could your faith and love increase as you delight in one another? So that's my question for you. I'd like to know what your thoughts are. So drop me a line, malcolm at malcolmcox.org. There's more resources on the Thames Valley site, on the Watford site, and on my own personal website, malcolmcox.org, so you can find some things there. Next time, we'll go on to the, uh, to the next uh, section. And until then, I hope you have a wonderful time with your group. I hope you find much to delight in with the people God has put you with. Take care, and God bless.